0: You're listening to the May 6th edition of The Close-Up, the Film Society of Lincoln Center's weekly podcast series. This is Brian Brooks, co-producer of The Close-Up. And this is Eugene Hernandez, deputy director of the Film Society of Lincoln Center. On this edition of The Close-Up, we're featuring French filmmaker Bertrand Bonello and actor Gaspard Ulliel, whose new film, Saint Laurent, opens here at the Film Society this weekend. After the release of Saint Laurent, the film society paid tribute to Bertrand Bonello with a complete retrospective. The director is a trained composer and he approaches his movies like pieces of music, allowing competing tonal elements to collide and rearrange themselves in bracing configurations. From his ambitious breakthrough The Pornographer to the gorgeous opium-soaked House of Pleasures, Bonello's work signals one of the most daring, intelligent, and virtuosic figures in French cinema today. Saint Laurent was an official selection in last year's New York Film Festival. The film portrays fashion legend Yves Saint Laurent with particular focus on a dark, hedonistic, and wildly creative period between 1967 and 1977. The film breathes new life into the biopic genre by toying deliriously with its rules and limitations, elevated by a fascinating performance by Gaspard Ulliel. So let's go now to Bonello and Uliel talking with Dennis Lim about Saint Laurent here at the Film Society of Lincoln Center.
1: Okay, we have one guest here. Um, <laughs> uh, as I'm sure you know, this is Emmeline uh, Vallad, who played Betty in the film. Um, Thank you for being here.
2: I killed the others, sorry. (laughs) Um,
1: Can you just tell us a bit about how you came to be involved in the film?
2: Um, so basically, Amira Khazar, which is the first assistant uh, in the movie, in the studio for Saint-Laurent, um, uh, s- saw me in shows and uh, she spoke about me to Bertrand. Then he had been interested by my profile. He got in touch uh, through my agency to me directly. And after we met a few times and he persuaded me I was able to do it. Uh, and then I believed it at a point. <laughs> and then I came up in the adventure so it's interesting
1: that both, both you and Gaspar work in fashion as well as in cinema
2: but let's say that Gaspar first was uh, always have been an actor yeah and then
1: right and then he also did modeling yeah because he's very
2: right. you know <laughs> <laughs> so
1: welcome back veteran Bonallo Gaspar Bonallo sorry so we
3: have some problems on the way no, from the other okay. screening
1: okay. um we were just asking Ameline to talk a little bit about, just given her your experience in the fashion world, how a film like this, you know, how does it measure up with, with your reality and what you knew? Um,
2: I will say that the movies in the 70s and nowadays is yeah. completely different. It's almost impossible to compare, so. <laughs> but still.
1: Were there any points of comparison that seemed interesting um relevant? the
2: dilemma of the creator the fact that uh, they're still like uh, in this struggle between what you want and what you have to and that is still going on Et voila <laughs>
1: so um i'm gonna i'm gonna ask veteran a few questions and then we'll open it up uh, i was wondering if you can because we were you know i was just l- watching the the short film that we have installed in the gallery and uh, which we're showing in the cinema as well—that um, you made for your exhibition at the Pompidou—and one, it's it's a very personal film which you're in, and and one of the lines you talk about is making this film and having to tell yourself, Celeron is me." Ah.
3: can you maybe expand on that? <clears throat> well, the film you're talking about is a kind of letter I, yeah. you know, to your daughter. I, I'm right? writing to, to to my daughter, and. Um, um, a letter which is going through all my films and the last one is this one. And what I tried to, to say with this sentence is, um, it's the first time I'm doing a film um, based on a true story, as we say, uh, the biopic, and I was really scared of that, you know? Of uh, and, and I really say to myself very early, I have to make a personal film, I have to make a personal film, you know? make to, to go away from this kind of uh, um, classical biopics which i don 't really fancy, and one of the way was to say to me in each sequence, there is I have to put something of myself into the character of to find in the character something that really touches me, which I could do quite easily because of course, it's well. It's, the film is talking about fashion, but it's basically talking about creation, and uh, so I, I I could find some relationship first of all between fashion and cinema. Uh, for example, the um, the relationship between art and industry that you can find in both you know uh, um, um, worlds, and it would be I, I I don't compare myself to Saint Laurent, but there are some. Uh, Things, they, they, they trait son character. Aspects of his character. Aspects of his character that I c- could really feel, understand, and make mine. And that's what I meant when I said to my daughter this sentence. And also, it's, you know, as uh, F- Flaubert said, Madame Bovary, c'est moi. Saint Laurent said, with the uh, smoking, the smoking, c'est moi. You know, it's like. like uh,
1: um, I, I was wondering if you could maybe say a little bit more about your, your attraction to this, to this project to begin with, because I think it ends up being a film that's not just about this, this person, this man, or this myth, but it ends up being, I think, uh, a portrait of a, of a very particular time and place. And maybe about, you know I think, in a way that relates to your other films, I'm thinking especially of La Need House of Pleasures, as a film about the end of something
3: yeah um actually the, the the idea of making a film about Saint Laurent is not mine it's you know uh, a a producer really wanted to do a film about this man and they were searching for a director and when they saw my previous film so house of pleasure has uh, uh they called me maybe they thought there would be a relationship between the two films uh, in terms of i don't know aesthetic or whatever and they, they, and they called me and uh I didn't want to do the film this way, but when I finished it, I, I, I saw the film like a, a big brother of the last one, and there are relationships, as you said. Uh, both films are um, talking about the end of a, an era of a period. Uh, in La Pologne, it's the 19th century; there, it's the uh, 70s, and because I think uh, the 80s is, you know, bringing us in a new world, very different world, you know. Um both films are um take place in a uh closed world uh, made of beauty but also of hardness and um there are very the uh, same sense of aesthetic so yes i, I now after I, when i finished the film i understood why the producer called me
1: <laughs> um i'd love to bring uh Gaspar into the conversation um Maybe you could, Bertrand, you could maybe say a little bit about, you know, it's very crucial casting obviously for a part like this. Can you talk a little bit about choosing Gaspar for this role and and Gaspar, I'd love to hear you maybe say a little bit about how you how you prepared for this.
3: Um, yes, we, we, we started the, the process of casting very, very early. I was still writing, in fact. Uh, I was still writing and we started uh, uh, to search for the actor. Of course, there is, um, an obvious resemblance. Obvious? (laughs) Yes, there is. Um, But for me that was not enough because, uh, you know, I was very scared of this biopic um, style that, you know, sometimes and often actors just uh, want to imitate and you know they become like a kind of puppet, you know. I, and this is something I wanted to avoid. And I wanted something very incarnated and uh, uh, a sense of contemporary, also, you know. Just not like a, a book of image, un livre d'image. Yeah, a book of pictures. A picture a bo- book. Yeah, a picture book. So, so we, we met with Gaspar. We we did a first screen test, and I, I needed to see some other people, maybe to be sure that you know. My choice was good, but mainly between the, the 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 few weeks or month that we we discussed about the, the the project before we decided to really do it together, I really wanted to 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 be sure that he he would be generous enough to to give a lot of himself also, you know, just not to be an imitation of, and. I we had many discussions about that and the fact that the character I was looking for uh, would be like fifty percent of Eve and fifty percent of himself you know because I really believe that when you you you, you make a film uh, you're shooting the person which is in the front of the camera you know I'm not shooting Yves saint Laurent I'm shooting Gaspard or I'm not filming uh, Jacques de Bacher I'm filming Louis garel you know so you, you need to in a way to fall in love with the actor, not only an idea of a character. And this process took a few weeks, and then for me it was just a, like a, an evidence that we were looking also for the same work, the same film, and the same character, the same way to, to, to find it, to search it.
4: Yeah, I, 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 that's true. We, we went through a few meetings, and I, I think, yeah, as you said, the idea was to, to see if we were actually on the same page, on the same wavelength about the typical biopic you know, traps. We, we wanted to be sure that, well, he wanted to be sure that I, w- I was agreeing to actually avoid the same stuff he wanted to avoid. Um, and, and this helped me a lot, actually, when very early on we had those discussions where he actually said to me that he wanted uh, also half of myself in this character. I, I, I wouldn't be that precise with like, exact figures like 50%, but um, it it, uh, helped me understand at some point that I had to actually step back from reality and clear some space within which I could actually fantasize about this character and reinvent him in my own way, you know? And that's when all of a sudden it became really interesting as an actor when I understood that most of my work prior to the shooting was to actually go seek and dig in my into myself into my my own memories my own life my own emotions and that I think was the only way to achieve the 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 the, the, the correct uh, portrayal of this man and to make him real and truthful you know because in the end when you think about it, about it cinema is just seeking and finding truth through artifice and and lies
1: could you say a little bit about the casting of the old Saint Laurent, Helmut Berger, which, I mean, among other things, registers as a kind of tribute to Visconti,
3: perhaps? Um, yes, actually, this uh, uh, it, it is an idea that came very, very early uh, during the writing, and even during the writing of the treatment that's before the script. Because uh, with the uh, co-writer uh, Thomas Bitgin, we very quickly on one page had the structure of the film, part one, part two, part three, and part three, we knew that the film would go forward to 1989. And I, I wrote a few, a, a few sentences such as, He enters the room, uh, he's 15 uh, years uh, older, Uh, his body is heavy, he doesn't look like the same man, it's another man, you know, and we say to each other, it's another man, okay, let's take another actor, you know. So it's, uh, it's, I would say it's a screenplay idea in a way. And as soon as we say that, the idea of Helmut came very, very quickly. I don't know why, it was like a flash. Then, of course, you can explain, you know, this kind of flash, there are many Bridges between Eve and Helmut, uh, between Eve and Visconti, um, many, many. I, I Eve could be a Viscontian uh, character. Um, they both, of course, shared like a huge love for Proust and for the uh, the Decadence, um, for these all these kind of things. So it's it's in a way it's easy to explain, but it came just as a flash, and very quickly I have had this image of. Helmut, alone in this beautiful apartment, uh, very luxury and uh, but like a golden grave, and from this came all the other images of the film that spread out you know um,
1: you mentioned Proust, and obviously there are sort of allusions to Proust in the film, and I think w- one way in which the film sort of defies the typical biopic um, conventions is its sense of time. It doesn't proceed chronologically, it doesn't use flashbacks in you know the usual biopic ways. Um, can you say a little bit about how you were just developing the sense of time in this film, which is very, very fractured and actually in, in some ways I think very perhaps very Proustian?
3: It's something that came slowly, you know? Um, it's not like an idea uh, we had at the beginning and it's just the more and more we, we wrote the script, the more we went into the story and the more and more the story went from something Um, objective to something subjective. And it went into uh, Eve's head. And so, for me, at that time, it's like, you know, having memories, and memories are always, you know, exploding time, it's just, uh, I had this idea of the last hour of the film, like, if you enter a room, and into the room you have you know mirrors everywhere and every mirror is a kind of image of Eve which is different and you just you know turn around and all this image come come to you and uh, that's how we constructed like uh, the last hour of the film but it's something that came slowly and f- f- for me for example when you jump into 1989 and you have Helmut then you come back to Gaspar but Gaspar is not the same that you've seen before because you know what is going to become you know, so every shot is, is, is loading the one that is coming and it's um, a kind of like a, a mental firework, you know, uh, we, that's what we try to do.
1: I'd be interested to hear Gaspar and, and Ameline, maybe you're, you could talk about your reactions to seeing the finished film the first time.
3: I can't talk about his reaction because <laughs> I've seen that. He was totally lost. <sighs> I, saw, I, I watched, I, I showed him in, a, in the editing room, you know? It was terrible. Of course I was very curious. And when the film was finished, it was, it was like
4: that. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty violent for me, you know, very violent and experience. I said, are
3: you okay? <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> said to me, y- you didn't put this scene uh, where I do this and this? Yes, it's on the film. Ah.
4: I don't remember. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. <laughs> it was totally lost. <laughs> It's true, I was totally lost, you know? It was like fighting the entire time with my memories and my expectations. And uh, I think it's always a violent experience, you know, when you just discover a film, you invest it so much into. uh, But this peculiar uh, time, it was, yeah, it was hardcore. Uh, And actually I had to watch it like maybe three or four times before I could actually have enough uh, distance to, to enjoy it as a, just a random audience, you know.
3: I really thought he had take some drugs, you know, during <laughs> this.
2: <laughs> uh, me was pretty different and quite strong as well because he was directly at Cannes. So um, I was entering in, as you are right now, looking at me, uh, at us, sorry guys. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was very, very, very intense moments. Um, I have to say that it's the best way to see it somehow because you get that chance but you you got like so many people in the of the industry and it was very emotional even right now so you can tell from the remembering
1: we'll take some questions from the audience
5: you're listening to the close-up from the film society of lincoln center Want to experience the Film Society of Lincoln Center's rich slate of year-round programming in person? Then become a member today. Since the 1960s, the Film Society of Lincoln Center has introduced audiences to countless filmmakers from around the globe. Our extensive programming includes 5,000 screenings each year with new releases, retrospectives, special events, premieres, and annual celebrations like the prestigious New York Film Festival, New Directors New Films, Rendezvous with French Cinema, the New York Jewish Film Festival, and so much more. Supporters in their 20s and 30s can join New Wave, a membership program that provides year-round access to premieres, parties, and exclusive events. For more information about becoming a member of the Film Society, visit www.filmlink.com. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. Uh,
1: The question is about the clothes in the film.
3: (laughs) Um... I have to say we didn't have the support of you know um, the brand or anything so we had to redo everything um, which was a fascinating work huge but fascinating so we uh, we, we we did uh, an atelier of haute couture for 3 4 5 months and uh, uh did all the dresses you 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 saw the two uh fashion shows seventy one and seventy six we redid everything exactly the way they did it thirty or forty years ago. Yep. In which order you should film? In total disorder. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess most of the films are done like that. Uh um, with well, actually,
4: we, we shot 80%, I would say 80 or 90% of the film in the same place. Y- we we invested this uh, huge uh, building in, in Paris. Uh, it's what we call Hotel Particulier. It's like a big uh, uh, townhouse uh, in the 16th arrondissement that belongs to some Qatar people, but it's just... Uh, Totally empty, so we rented it, and we could actually do everything we wanted inside. So we recreated so many different sets. It was like a studio in the middle of, of, of the city, you know. So, so actually, when you have all those sets available, you can just shuffle everything and just uh, you know mix all the scenes. So it was yeah total disorder.
1: Yes.
5: This question was for Bonello, and it asked whether the style and look of the film was at all influenced by the work of Andy Warhol. Um,
3: well, it, it is true that they were close, um, that uh, Andy Warhol uh, did uh, portraits of Eve and his dog. This is true. Uh, but I invented the, uh, the, the correspondence, the, the letters, the correspondence, because um, I, you know, there is many traps I wanted to avoid in the film. For example, at one moment I want to show that He is very, very famous, that is a big star. How do you show that? It's very difficult, you know. You have the uh, classical, uh, like uh, many, many newspapers, uh, the headlines headlines of newspaper. You have uh, him walking with photographers. This I wanted to avoid. So I had the idea of two great artist, very famous, one in America, one in France, and just a letter saying, you and I are today the most famous artist. And everything, you don't need more, in fact, you know, uh, to, 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 to understand that. And it's much more intimate that those, all these uh, artificial, uh, you know, ways of telling the, the fame. So I invented the letter just to, to, to find an intimate way to, to say this fact. Eve is a star. Andy is a star, and they both have a kind of strange relationship with painting, uh, and I thought it was interesting you know, to, to put it in relation. Even if I invented this correspondence, um, I really liked, uh, liked the, the, the way of telling the story with, with this uh, scene. Yep.
5: This person wondered how much rehearsal was involved in the production.
3: No, there was no rehearsal. But I, I, it's not my way of preparing a film. But during the preparation, I t- talk with actors. I talk of what were, you know, many things. Not necessarily the sequences. But I think if, if, if you if you bring the actors on the set on the good mood, after you know the things get quite uh, in a, in a, in, a, it's in a smooth way. And uh, I, I think the actors were just good, so you do no need to rehearse. yes this
5: question asked how the drug scene in Saint Laurent was produced I gave him drugs
3: (laughs) well that's true very easy and he loved it but I should say the dog now is fine Uh, he's living in the countryside in France uh, nearby the sea and he's still remembering how fantastic the shoot was Especially this day.
4: Yeah, and this scene was shot right in the middle of the, the whole experience of shooting. And before that, he was just uh, such a, a nightmare, you know? Every time we would say action, he would just run out of frame. And after this uh, specific day of shooting, he became all of a sudden so, you know, uh, nice and obeying to everything we would ask, he was maybe just begging for I more. I think he
3: was hoping for some more. But I told him, you're not going to be a junkie now, you know. It's well, one day and enough. <laughs> yes.
5: This person wondered about the static camera style of Saint Laurent and asked Pinella if he made the stylistic choice beforehand or came to it during production.
3: Um, I would say during the process. You know, when you... Um, this film is made of... Um, not too many scenes, but there are really long. I really wanted that, you know, to spend time uh, in 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 every sequences. And you know, I I arrive on the set and I try to find with the location, with the actors, uh, with the the DP, the best way to translate uh, the uh, the what I think should be the heart of the film. And you know, sometimes it go to this direction or to this. So it's something you, you, you invent really on, on the set. And uh, you realize that finally a film is stronger than you, you know, and it decides for yourself what it you know, should be, what its movement should be, what the lens of the camera should be. You just have to, to, to try to, to, to feel it, and the, um, it's, it's on the set that you, 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 you feel that, I mean, for me.
5: This question was directed to Ameline Vallad and asked about the choreography and dancing
2: in the film. Thank you, Thank you very much. Um, actually, we had a moment of grass all together um, and um, I think we all... grass f- oh, Yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
3: grass is for the dog.
2: <laughs> so a part of that, <laughs> um, yeah, we had a, this special moment that was a. a well, I, I
4: think it's your moment because y- you're the one dancing. I remember yeah, sure. on set when she just arrived on the first take with this very peculiar Weird. dance. You know, it's so sensual. Yeah, it really, it's Thank great. Thank you.
2: No, we didn't have preparation. Uh, I just moved. <laughs> now, I did 20 years of dance, so I did classic, modern, tap dance, everything. But their hair helped a lot. You yes. Know. And they put a lot of fake hair that helped as well. <laughs> Thank you, though.
4: To to y- j- I just wanted to say that like, it, it, what I loved in those scenes is also all the work with the extras obviously because really often in those kind of scenes on other films you just see very bad extras and it just killed the entire scene and here I don't know where he found those amazing people Aggressive. but they were just dancing the entire day I spent a lot day. of
3: time in nightclubs to just to work on the extras yeah.
4: <laughs> it felt so real
2: yeah, he helped a lot, definitely, to be in there.
1: To just follow up, because you brought up the music, um, I was wondering, Bertrand, if you could say uh, you're you're a musician as well, and your films typically have sort of you know really surprising and
3: amazing um,
1: soundtracks. Can you talk about a selection? You use a lot of different types of music in this film, too.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just I I, I try to think about it very very early in in the process uh, during the writing. Um, For example, if it's uh, uh, music that exists, I I write on the script, this is going to be this music, starting there, finishing there. If it's music that do not exist, I I, I try to record it at the same time I I, I do the, the script. Because I, I really believe that music is here to to say something. It's not an illustration that you put at the end of the editing. Just you know, to it's it's uh, it says something. So it has it's like a script, in fact, you know. So I I try to think it very very early, and in this film, I really wanted the the, the music to be uh, always inside the 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 scenes, not like a score. Uh, something that comes out uh, from uh, from hi-fi, uh, so that the the the, uh, the audience and the characters are on the same level of emotion in a way, and very quickly I decided to use soul music and opera, like uh, If by Night and If by Day, um, soul music really from this period and opera because. Eve was crazy about uh, classical music and especially uh, Maria Callas. And and then I added some stuff that I did myself with uh, synthesizers that gives like something a little colder, uh, you know, to, to the uh, un, un contrepoint. counterpoint. Counterpoint. Counterpoint? Counterpoint. Uh, counterpoint to this very warm stuff that are opera and soul music.
1: I think we should wrap it up. Um, do check out the Exhibit, um, Gaspar and Amelie, thank you so much for being Thanks. here. Thank and you, to you.
3: Sorry for the um, delay. Thanks a lot.
1: Bertrand is going to be Bertrand is going to be back the next two nights. Um, if this is the first time you're discovering his his work, his other films are every bit as amazing. So please come back tomorrow and Friday. Thank you.
5: The close-up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Brian Brooks, Nick Kemp, and Michael Odomark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.com. F I L M L I N C.com. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.